We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are live. This is the Sunday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. My name is Rob Doster. Joining me tonight, Sports Illustrated's Kevin Sweeney and the ACC Network's Randolph Childress live from a hotel room uh, in Black- is it Blacksburg, Virginia right now? Or are you in, I'm Chapel, in Hill? Chapel Hill? I'm in Chapel Hill tonight. Ch- Chapel Hill for Virginia Tech, North Carolina. He is going to be calling the game on ACC Network tomorrow. We are presented by our partners over at Bet Rivers. You can find us on SiriusXM Channel 84. That is the ESPNU station, as well as streaming on YouTube and on Twitter. As always, we are going to be taking questions during the breaks and during the afters. Uh, so jump to the chat and make sure to leave a question. Please don't comment on our clothes. If you're that guy, please don't do it. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of you. Hey, You've been here every single You can night. comment on my clothes. I'm cleaned up today, baby. I'm cleaned yeah, up. Yeah, sweetie, you're looking good, man. Uh, we got a fun show on tap. Um, we're going to be joined by John Martin of 92.9 ESPN in Memphis to talk about everything Penny Hardaway and everything that's going on in that city and with that program. Uh, we're going to be breaking down Saturday's duel between Auburn and Kentucky. And I'm going to tell you why I think uh, Arizona t- deserves to be in the same conversation with the Tigers and with Gonzaga in, in regards to being the number one team in the country. Um, and we're also going to play a little bit of trust, trust or, bust. or bust. But before, before we do that, do that. Michigan went to Assembly Hall and laid an 80 to 62 whooping on the Indiana Hoosiers behind 25 points, nine boards, and four assists from the big fella Hunter Dickinson. I got to ask you, man, is Michigan back? I'm pumping the brakes. I'm not right quite ready to say that they're back, but this was really, really promising, right? I think we've talked about this a few times, and I've written about it over at Sports Illustrated. Like, the biggest problem for me with Michigan all year is that what made them special last year was they had all these guys who could shoot, dribble and pass and handle the ball and play in ball screens surrounding Hunter. And, and it has, and I think the biggest reason Hunter Dickinson has struggled this season relative to expectation is that the talent around him has not been as good, particularly space in the floor. And I think it's just made life really difficult for him on the block. And today you saw some things that were really positive. They shot the ball better as a team, um, obviously, I mean, Hunter comes out and hits three threes. That's a huge lift, but they shoot 11 for 17 as a team from three. Caleb Houston plays one of the best games he's played in college. Uh, and they play with tremendous amount of confidence on the road. I think they kind of felt like they had nothing to lose and Indy catch Indiana sleeping after a huge, huge home win earlier in the week against Purdue. Like, like I said, I'm not ready to say they're back because I still think there are some kind of structural flaws here with, with the lack of 
you know, playmakers on the floor and how disappointing Devontae Jones has been. But Jones managed the game better today than he has, I think, in a long time. And you get to feel good when when Hunter Dickinson is playing as well as he did today. I disagree. I'm going to pump the brakes, but I think they'll be better than they've been. They, they won't get to last year's status. They'll, they'll be better than they were, you know. But, again, when you're playing younger guys, they don't have the experience that they had. They don't have the shooting ability they had last year. And they're young and you replace guys. And that's something I think Juwan, you know, as great as he is as a coach, the adjustments he's going to make is how does he want to make it build his team? I mean, he's he's built it with point guard play with the transfer portal. But when you start bringing in these guys and they're young, these freshmen, you got to live with their ups and downs. And and, and everybody's going to go through that. And, and Caleb, you know, Caleb came out tonight. Caleb Houston was great tonight, but he's been inconsistent. And if they're going to rely on if you're going to rely on Hunter and Caleb making freaking what they made eight threes tonight, like that, that I'm not buying it. They, they, those guys shoot like 30% from three. So they played great. They were like 16 to 24 combined. It was a great offensive game. Do I see that happening? Times are not, not at that rate. They, you know, when you're dealing with the you know younger guys, they're going to be up and down and Hunter needs spacing. And now teams are sitting in his lap. They're digging. He doesn't get as much space. They're not shooting the three as well. So, we're not mentioning him. You know, we don't talk about him much as being one of the better bigs because his sophomore campaign is just not as good or, you know, it's just not as good as he was like a year ago. And it's not his fault. But again, those guys are, are, are the team isn't as talented as it once was. They're just younger. Yeah. So much of the success of being a big guy in college basketball depends on what is around you. Right. right. Like Kofi is going to be a monster at all times because there's a bunch of guys that shoot 42 percent from three around him. And he has Andre Cubello, who is, in theory, is going to be great in ball screens. Uh, yep. If you look at Oscar Sheepway and what's going on with him, when you have guys like Kellen Grady and Ty Ty Washington with the way that he's playing, um, when you have guys that can pull that defense out and give them space, that's when the big guys become effective. And, and I think we're seeing it a little bit more. Like, if Caleb Houston starts making these shots, um, I think that does change things a little bit. But it's not going to change the fact that you know, Devontae Jones and Eli Brooks, like, that's just such a big step down from the playmaking that they had last year so I I mean I think you guys are right Michigan's never going to be the the top 10 team we thought they were in the preseason but I I'm I'm buying them as a as a tournament team and this is why tell me what you think about this so um, this was the first game that they won since or uh, when they beat Maryland on Tuesday it was the first game that they won in a month the last game that they had won was December 18th um, they had gone through their COVID pause. They had a couple of rough games when they came back from that. They had that weird thing where we thought Hunter Dickinson was coming back and then he wasn't coming back and they missed a couple of games and they missed some time and then he didn't play against Illinois. So it was, you had that going on. So it took them a little while to get back into that rhythm. And I think we're starting to see what they can be now in these last two games. I mean, look, if you're going to blow the doors off Maryland, you're going to blow the doors off Indiana in the same building where Indiana just beat Purdue. Sweeney, I think that says something. I mean, it's, it's huge. Right. And I think I always believe that they would start to figure things out, right. Because they're too talented not to, because I'm still a, term, a huge believer in Juwan Howard as a coach. And I think, you know, he's the type of guy that his teams are never going to quit on him. Right. I think it would be very easy for a team with the expectation. And we're going to talk about Memphis and a team you know, we, we could argue has Memphis quit on Penny Hardaway. I, I, I think there was never a chance that, Michigan's guys were going to quit on Jawan Howard just because of the respect that they have for him uh, because of the right relationships he builds. I, I thought that it was a matter of time before they started to play better. And uh, you know, today I think it, it's just big for, for, for their confidence because it's their best win of the season by a significant margin. Um, it's 
uh, you know, a needle moving win from a resume standpoint, you get a quad, you know, quadrant one game, uh, a game against a team that's probably in the top half of the big 10, potentially the top five in, in Indiana. Uh, I mean, it's, it, it changes things a little bit and, and look, I mean, their schedule is a little bit more manageable coming up. They have Northwestern at home this week. They have Nebraska at home next week. You know, they have Penn state at home the week after like, excuse me, Penn state on the road. Um, but like if there, if there's a way to get back into the mix, it's a way to start climbing the ladders to make sure you're an NCAA tournament team to, to make sure that you're hold on real quick. I, I like how you just skipped over the fact that they play at Michigan state. And I was getting ready to say, there's the, some the other next games two, there, right? Yeah. There's some other games <laughs> you're picking and choosing off that schedule. Right. But, but in the big 10, you can go through like, like, uh, uh, Northwestern has a five game stretch. They're finishing out right now where they play five in a row of Michigan state, Wisconsin, Purdue, Michigan, and Illinois. Michigan is not staring on a stretch like that right now. And so to have two wins in their pocket back to back going into a stretch where they're getting some more manageable games and then some house money games, right? Go on the road to Mackey, go on the road to Michigan state, where if you play really well, like you did today, maybe you have a chance to win. Like, I, I think that's huge for your confidence. I, I think they're, they're trending the right direction right now to get back to Michigan. Look, I don't, I don't think they're a top 25 team, even when they play, you know, good basketball. I just don't think that's like what, how they're built. Um, but, but I think they have enough to be you know, a top half big 10 team. If things break right here in the next, uh, next couple of weeks. Listen, I, I believe in Juwan. I, I think he'll, he'll get this thing going, but they're too far behind now. I mean, you, you know, for, to say they're a tournament team, who do we believe they're going to be ahead of? Are they going to be ahead of Michigan state, Wisconsin? Tell, tell me when to stop. Illinois, Ohio State, Purdue. Well, here's, here's my thing. There, there's seven teams, I think, that are going to be above them in the Big Ten right now. Um, when you go all the way down to Indiana, I think there's seven teams above them. And then after that, I, I think that if you win a couple games, like let's say that they, they pick off one of these two games at Michigan State or at Purdue, and then they win all the games they're supposed to win the rest of the season. You're going to have enough good wins on there when you include the win at Indiana and it went at let's just say that they went on Saturday at um at Michigan State right you put those together with whatever the the metrics looked like and the number probably about five quad one wins just winning the games you're supposed to win in the Big Ten that might be enough to get you in the tournament this year win the ACC like we talked about ad nauseum like how 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 many good teams are in that league right how many good teams are in the Pac-12 outside of the top three they're they're gonna have Arson, gonna someone's, someone's got to get these picks. It's called the field they're... of 68 for a reason. You got to put 68 teams in the tournament, okay? They're nine and seven right now. And we're, we, you know, as, as, as you know, we, we just talked about, they got a few games, right? We're going to give them a couple of games, but they got some tough ones. They're going to have to beat some, some of these top teams in order for us to say, to mm -hmm. even begin to talk about tournament play for them. And that's, they're just not there yet. I mean, they, they got to go on a run. Like, you're not going to play 500. They're, 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 they're nine and seven right now. And that's a great win. They're nine and seven, so they can't they can't be like Sweeney here. Just pick the games they want to play and then, <laughs> and then come back and try to decide. Hey, you know, we're gonna skip the Michigan State and all those games. We're just going like you know they got to win a couple of more of those games and maybe get the you know fourteen and eight, and then we can start talking about tournament. Right now, they just dug themselves in a hole early on COVID, other reasons, whatever it is, they just dug themselves in a hole. Well, Randolph, let me let me flip it and ask you about Indiana. Uh, how? <laughs> How do you go from beating the number four team in the country, your arch rival at home, storming the floor, having Rob Finnessy carried off on the shoulders of the fans mm. to, to, to getting run out of the gym by Michigan? Like, how, how does that happen? 
I don't know if they partied until, you know, they just turned it up and then they just forgot that they just thought they had a cakewalk coming in. Like we was going to walk away with this one. That's the only thing I can think of. They look like a completely different team. Um, They're inconsistent shooting though. Right. They're they're really, they're not a great three point shooting team. And, and, you know, with with Xavier Johnson, I thought, I thought he played okay. Uh, he's up and down perimeter shooting. I just don't think they're strong enough perimeter shooting, you know, surrounding Trey, uh, you know, Jackson Davis. And I, I don't know. The only thing I can think of is this. They just partied and they came in thinking that, hey, Michigan sucks and we're going to get this dub and keep it moving. I, I, I don't have an explanation for it. I mean, down the roster, I, I, I don't know. Half the guys didn't even show up. They they didn't even bother to come in and play the game. Like I don't even have an explanation for it. It, it was yeah, here. I I think I have one. It might be a hot take, Sweeney, but I think that seeing Xavier Johnson and Rob Finnessy go off like that against Purdue says a lot more about what Purdue's defensive backcourt is than anything about Indiana. And that's 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 a fair take. I mean, Purdue has not guarded the ball particularly well this season. I, I will say this. Indiana has been good this season when they've come out and guarded. I mean, that's not unique, but like they, they have the potential to be really elite on defense because of what trace does at the rim, you know, Xavier and, and Rob Finnessy are both really good point of attack guys. Like they can be really good on that on the floor. And I think it's really challenging after a big win, like they had to come back and like get, I, I, I think they walked in feeling like they're a team that could score 80 points, right. That they're a team that's elite offensively. And they're not right. I think it's easy to get a big head after a game like that. I think they didn't come out and guard today like a team that had a sense of urgency the way they did against Purdue, the way they have when they've played well so far this season. So, you know, I think you're absolutely right, Rob, that a lot of it is that Purdue is not a very good defensive team. And they were able to uh, exploit that despite Trace Jackson Davis having you know one of the worst games of his college career uh, or one of the least impactful games of his college career was, was really on the floor. Um, but I, I think also you know, they lost who they were today and what they've been to be where they, you know, where they were in the big 10 coming into today um, was a team that was willing to really get down and guard you and then play through trace. And today they didn't get down and guard. I mean, but yeah. look at, look at Finnison. I mean, he had 20 points, you know, against Purdue and looked great. And he had what, two, he had two points today. And, and, you know, I, I'll give Xavier Johnson credit. I mean, have, having played against him pretty much every year in his college career, He's a blur. Like he can, he can move with the best of them. Now he can't, you know, he's his jump shots inconsistent, but him getting in the paint, creating, and if he's making threes, he's a tough handle for anybody. Like I give him that, but they just can't have the flip flopping. You can't give me two, one game and 20 the next, and then sit there and be, you know, and expect to win like that. I, I don't, anybody can, can do it. Give me 10 and 10. At least I know what I'm getting, but you can't give me 20 and then come back, give me two. Yep. I, I think the way that our uh, our friends over at Three Man Weave, who host the Field of 68's Best Bet Show, will call this a letdown spot, which is where <laughs> you're coming off those big wins, riding that high. You went out and, uh, you know, probably hit Kilroy's a little bit uh, for people in Bloomington. They know that. But uh, yeah, I think that's probably what happened. Anyway, listen, coming up next, we're going to be joined by John Martin of 92.9 FM uh, in Memphis. That's ESPN station. Uh, We're going to tell you why it might be time for an NBA legend in the college coaching ranks uh, might be the end for. Favorite 90. All right. Anybody in the chat right now on YouTube, drop us some questions. We should have John Martin jumping in here at some point. Hopefully he'll be here before we have to come back from break. uh, So you guys could see how this works with our transition on the zooms. That'll be fun. Dagan, we got any questions? 
Yes, we do. Let's uh, let's jump right into it. Uh, who do you guys think wins the Big East? I, I saw Marquette. Answer. I saw Marquette today. I don't think they're going to win the league, but man, they're impressive. Like they they put Xavier in hell for 32 minutes defensively. And I say 32 because there was an eight minute stretch there late in the first, early in the second, where they didn't guard anybody. But the rest of it, I mean, it was it was highly impressive. And Shaka's got him really energized. I, I still think Villanova's going to win the league, but man, Marquette. Marquez, he's surprised of the you're one of the biggest surprises in the country for me. Yeah. Hey, Randolph, who do you think I'm gonna say is gonna win the big east? Oh, I know who you're going with. You're going with the Huskies, man. I don't even know why they ever pose that question. We know you're going with yeah, the right? I'm not buying it. I'm not I'm not going with the Huskies. I, I think it's Nova. And I and honestly, I'm I think Providence is gonna get it. I think Providence is gonna be tough this year to beat. I I I just I just believe in Ed Cooley and I like what he's doing, and I think they're gonna get it done this year. All right, awesome. Uh, John, what's up, man? We got John Martin here. Yeah, what up? John, what's up, brother? How are you doing? I got Kevin Sweeney and Randolph Childress here with me. Guys, this is John Martin. What's up, okay, John? What's up? John, how you doing, man? Yo, yo, yo. We're back in five seconds. You're up. We're back. This is the field of 68 after dark. My name is Rob Doster. Joining me now is John Martin from 92.9 FM the ESPN station in Memphis. I have Kevin Sweeney with me. I have Randolph Childress with me. And of course, we're on Sirius XM, uh, the ESPNU station, Channel 84. John, what's going on, man? Thanks for being here. It's, uh, you, you doing all right down there? You hanging in? Maintaining, man. You know, best I can. Just try not to ask any stupid fucking questions. <laughs> Is that okay? Yeah, so, <laughs> I hope so. Um, but yeah, so so let's talk about that, man, because you, you did a great job just quoting uh quote Penny Hardaway there. So um in all, in all seriousness, though, uh can you just kind of take me through like what is it like in Memphis right now? What 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 is the the vibe for the Memphis fans? I mean, it's like uh a high wire act, you know, like a just a very delicate situation where anything is possible is what I would say. Um, you know, I think there's a very real loyalty to Penny because, you know, as we talked about before, man, when you're from here and you're of here, you know what I mean? You're, you're Memphis. It's a different place. Um, that, that being said, you know, I, I think there's an expectation to win because, you're set up to do that. You know, you have loyal boosters, you have great salaries, you have an unbelievable recruiting base, you have unbelievable fans. I mean, these are, and you play in a bad league, you play in a league that, that you in theory could run through like x through your fat ass mama, right? Like that's the truth. So you have everything built in to win. Um, and so I think there's, there's a little bit of a, there's a little bit of a, you know, a, a budding of heads of we love Penny and we love everything he's meant to, to us and, and the city and this program. But we also know you have to win. You have to get it done. You have to make tournaments. You have to take advantage of number one recruiting classes. So it's a it's a it's a trapeze. You know what I mean? Like it's a it's a trapeze act right now that. They got it done on the road today against Tulsa, which has been a real you know, 
headache form over the last few years with very few players. And we'll kind of see where it goes from there. John, what's at the point of this? Like you guys, we hear the rumors, we hear things going out there. You seem to be there and plugged in. Like what's the issue going on in Memphis? Is it, you know, what, what's the, if you had to point the finger at one thing other than saying, hey, you should win, you got recruiting classes, just like, like what's, what's, what's the issue? Well, I mean, I think the, the biggest problem has been, you know, you've, you've really not done a great job of, of identifying with the guys you have what they need to do and who they need to be, right? Like, all right, you, you're, you're my point guard. You're my, you're, you're my score. You're my, you know, four man. Um, Penny, and I get it, man, because that's, that's, that's recruiting. Dog, you went through it, right? Like right. you heard a lot of shit, right? Like, oh, you're gonna you're gonna be this for me, and you're gonna be that for me, and you're gonna, right? You 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 say things in the recruiting process that that may or may not come to fruition. That's that's part of it, right? Right. I think Penny has said a lot of times, you know, to these he's maybe made promises that you know haven't haven't come to fruition, and you know, you get into a situation where. Guys don't know what they're supposed to do. They don't know how they're supposed to play. They don't know, you know, uh, am I the am I the starter? Am I the? He's had thirteen starting lineups, you know, and 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 you can point to injuries. And you can point, but a lot of and, and and this goes back to last year. I mean, this is not a this is not a situation that's oh this is an isolated year, right? This is an isolated incident. This is this is a penny era. You know what I mean? He's he's had a a real issue with identifying who his best six, seven, eight guys are. And I get it because you coach a lot of these kids when you were at East high school, team Penny, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, this is big time basketball, man. You know, you got to put that shit to the side. Who's going to help you win games and who's not. And I think that's been the biggest problem. You know, Imani Bates and a lot of people talk about him. You try to make him a point guard because, you have a loyalty to a guy that's not that's not cut out for it because you coached him at East High School. And again, I get it. You kind of raised the kid. But Alex Lomax is not a guy who can start for you and, and play 30 minutes a game. He's not good enough. Can't make a jumper. So, you know, you, you try to make guys who aren't built for that position. You ask Imani Bates to do it. He's 17 years old. He's not built for that. He can't do that. It's not his game anyway. He needs to be able see, to just talk. John, my, my biggest thing with with um, with Penny's complaints about kind of maybe the way that he's he's been covered and complaints about ways that people talk about him in the media and all that is is you, you put this roster together, right? You, right? you saw the issues coming when it comes to not having a point card. You know that if you're giving the ball to a 17 year old who has spent his entire life being a scorer and a shooter and a chucker and playing a certain kind of way and asking him to change everything that he's known about basketball his entire life as a kid that's supposed to be a senior in high school like you got to know that you that that's not a great point guard situation you got to like you can't then blame it on everything else because you put together a roster that didn't work in the way that you put it together right like that's at some point oh. he kind of has to say look I you know what? My bad. I, I I did not do a good job doing what I was supposed to do building this. Like I, to me, it just, from the outside, and I, I want your opinion on this. It feels like he's turning this on everybody instead of saying, you know what, I I did some things wrong. Oh, it's 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 everybody else's fault except his own, because that's 
that's your life, man. That's your life. When you're Penny Hardaway, right? When you're Penny Hardaway, it's never your fault, right? You, you know what I mean? When has it ever been Penny's fault, ever, in his whole life? Never been. I mean, he, when has he ever not won? His whole life. Parade All-American. McDonald's All-American. What are we talking about? And I, I understand that. You know what I mean? I understand that. But when, when, when you say X, Y, and Z, oh, I, I, you know, my veterans don't want my, my freshmen to win. Okay. That's November when you're going through a four game losing streak. And then you get to January and your veterans are hurt. And you say, man, what do you expect? I don't have my veteran. You know, his whole thing, I guess it was Thursday. His whole thing Thursday was I'm starting four freshmen. Well, Earl Timberlake is a sophomore and he's 21 years old. He's not a freshman, right? And ultimately, your freshmen are among the best freshmen that have ever walked the face of this planet, right? Jalen, I, I got a, I, I, I got a question on that though. Are they? Well, they were, they were, they were certainly perceived as such, I, I, and that's my point. So, so what we all agree that as talented as Armani Bates and, 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 and Jalen Duran are. Does any of us perceive them to be on the on the level of Paulo Vincaro or J- Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren? Do we think Amani's on that level? Well, certainly not now. But how much of that comes down to development? No, no, I, I don't disagree with that. But has he shown you that ability yet? Kyle, like, like, I, do, and I don't want to make again. He's seventeen, eighteen year old kid. I think he's going to be really good, right? But most freshmen, most freshmen are going to struggle. He's physically at a disadvantage. Physically, he's not six eight, six nine, six ten of the other guys. He's physically has an adjustment to make in college. And again, do I think he's going to be a pro? He is. But when just make no mistake about it, this young man came there thinking, "Yo, I'm one and done. I ain't going to be here long. I'm on campus eight months," and that hadn't worked out. But see, Raylove, I'm 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 a, I'm gonna take it to you like this. This season was not about Imani Bates. This season was not the Imani Bates experiment. This season was you won the NIT last year, and you're bringing back the majority of those dudes, and you're adding right a, a, a unbelievably talented freshman Imani Bates and Jalen Duran, and now you're supposed to take the next step. But instead, they've regressed to a degree that nobody could have seen coming. They've regressed. Where, where, he's, where he's at fault, I mean, he has to own up on, like we said. You're, again, you got that team that won an NIT, and you brought those guys in. But when those guys came in, you're right. Then when he made the press conference, like, oh, my older guys, my veteran guys, that's on you as a coach to say, hey, somebody got to sit down. We right. got to figure this out. You got to do that. I'll give him that. Right. But at some point, I mean, that they – like they barely won today against Tulsa, and they were what zero six in the AAC. And, and and it took and it took, by the way, I mean, out of body experience from three. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> look at the numbers from three. <laughs> so, so, so you're exactly right. And if you're Penny, right? I, can mm-hmm. I curse? I don't, Rob. I don't know if I can curse on here, man. Hey, look, we haven't been yelled at about it yet, so. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, so I'm gonna tell you this: If I was Penny, right? If I'm Penny, 
I'm going to say, I don't give a shit who you think you are. I don't right. care. I don't care who you were a year ago. I don't care who you were supposed to be. This is my program, right? And I, I demand X, Y, and Z. I'm not trying to be all things to all people because inevitably when you try to do that, you can't make people happy. You're just going to piss everybody off. And so mm -hmm. when you're penny in this, to me, you have leverage because why? Because you're penny. You're the man, bro. You got shoe. You got first round draft pick. You got all pros to your name. You're the man, you know? So, so how dare you ever try to let somebody come in here and try to, you know, dictate the way you run your program. I don't, I don't care really about the rest of the stuff. I don't care about how uh, this coach feels or this handler feels. I'm going to run my program the way I want to run it and the way I feel it should be run. But John, let me, let me ask you this. I'm with the results. Let me ask you this. So I think the one thing that couldn't be questioned the first three years of Penny was like, they played really, really hard. Like they were super bought in. Yep. Uh, it doesn't feel like that this year, especially on defense. Has yep. he lost these guys? Well, I mean, I think that's the, that's the one thing that you look at immediately, right? Like last year, they, I believe that last year they were number one in the country in defensive efficiency. And this year they're in the 50s, at least before this game. Um, and I think that's a product of, I mean, he's, he's, he's questioning these guys publicly 15 different ways. And I think that works once. I think you, got, you, you, can, you, can, you, can, you can play that card one time. You know what I'm saying? You can play that card one time. <laughs> After that, it's over, right? You get one chance at it. And he's gone back to it, and he's blamed the veterans, and he's blamed the freshmen. And I think you have a team that 13 different starting lineups, guys in and out, right, injuries, what have you. Um, I, I don't think they've quit on him. I think, I think this is a team that, you know, that really loves him, you know, that really does believe in him. But I think the the way that the rotations have gone and the uncertainty, I think it's it's hard to maintain that level of intensity game in and game out when truly you have no idea who's going to start, who's going to play. It's a mystery every single night. Well, listen, John, I appreciate you coming on. I love your insight on Memphis. You know how much I uh, enjoy uh, coming on your show. It's always a good time. Is this, um, are, you, are you like? Are you kicking me off? Like I can come well, we, we got we got to go to break. We got to go to commercial. We got we got a commercial coming up. That's what I'm just trying to work to a commercial. Yeah, go ahead. Hey, if you got more to say, go ahead. If you got more, if you got more to say, go ahead. Man, man, I mean, and now I, mean, I feel like you know how long we got left. I can kick it. I can talk Big Ten. I can talk <laughs> about one bid leagues ACC. I mean. I can talk about anything you want. John, you have managed many talents, brother. John, John Martin on the field of 68 after dark. Favorite 90. All right. Man. Uh, John, I got. I, I, I legit got about 25 texts being like, I think John Martin's really getting some stuff off his chest right now. <laughs> now, when you text me at 10 15, I'm like, let me make sure I get a couple more lights in me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you said Randolph Children's going to be on this bitch. I got to be ready for this motherfucker, bro. <laughs> got to be ready, cuz. Hey, John, you represent, John. No doubt about that. No doubt about that. I got to, man. <laughs> hey, you know what? Like, what I would say to, man, for real, is that. The program is bigger than Penny. 
you know? It always is, no doubt. They, 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 but they had to invest in Penny that way when you, when, you know, you, you know, we say what we want. Um, well, I can't think of his name right before Penny. And I'm sitting Tubby, here to have a, Tubby Smith. A Tubby. They were winning under Tubby. You know, well, whether you like him or not, I thought they expected him to come in and take him to a level, and he did with his recruiting. He's got those guys, but well, well Tubby, Tubby was, was man. I mean, he didn't he didn't do anything other than be who he was. You know what I mean? Like, right. that was just a bad fit, bad hire. Pity was the right hire at the right time. Uh, on on that same token, though, you got to make a fucking tournament, cause. This is, but this is the problem with all of the marriages between the former star and like Georgetown's dealing with Patrick Ewing, obviously in a much less like high profile environment. Five, four, three, two, one, you're up. And we're back. This is the Field of 68 After Dark. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us streaming on Twitter. You can find us on Sirius XM 84. That is the ESPNU station. My name is Rob Dosser. I have with me right now Kevin Sweeney of Sports Illustrated, uh, Randolph Childress uh, from the ACC Network, and John Martin is still here, 92.9 ESPN FM. We can't get rid of him. So, um, I'm hanging around, man. You're hanging around. You're going to talk some Pac-12 with us right now uh, because Arizona today beat Cal 96-71. to They did it without Azulis Tubelis. Uh, they are doing to the Pac-12 right now what Gonzaga normally does to the WCC. Tommy Lloyd, of course, is their head coach, longtime Gonzaga assistant. They have pros all over their roster. They are big. They are athletic. They shoot the hell out of it. They're fun to watch. Uh, so I got to ask you, Randolph, I'm going to you first on this one. Mm-hmm. Why aren't we talking about this team more as potentially being the number one team in college basketball right now? Because they have played absolutely nobody. They played Tennessee on the road, and we we were talking about that. And they, you know, close game, very easily could have won that game. We think Tennessee is probably what the fifth, sixth best team in the SEC. And outside of that, I'm I'm waiting on someone to tell me who they play. Do we believe they're talented? Absolutely. But I think as the competition steps up for these guys, we'll see more after the UCLA game tomorrow night. As they play better opponents, some of these numbers will just drop. I don't believe the guys will have these percentages and these numbers, and then we'll get a real feel for you know for Arizona, in my opinion. I love Benedict. I think he's as good as Benedict. I, I think he's as good as any guard in the country. But again, I, I I need to see them against better competition and more consistently than they had to play. Arizona has not played a top seventy-five Ken Palm team in Pac-12 play. They played six games in the Pac-12. They haven't played a top seventy-five Ken Palm team. Like everything we knock Gonzaga for, like schedule yes. wise, every yes. single year we come, oh, it's play WCC. They don't play anybody. Gonzaga in their first four WCC games has played three teams who are ranked higher in Ken Palm than any team Arizona's played in Pac 12 play so far. And like, let's add the schedule that Gonzaga played outside of the non conference, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Non conference is not even, that's not even in the discussion. Right. I mean, Arizona did play at Tennessee, at Illinois. They played neutral against Michigan, and that's it, right? Like, that's – I think for me – like, and, and that's the thing that should hold you back. But talent-wise, absolutely they belong in the conversation. I mean, they have certainly one clear first-round pick in Matherin. Uh, another guy in Christian Coloco, who is the most impactful defensive player in college basketball because of his job he does at the rim. Tabellis is terrific. Creasa is nails. And I think they have the best glue guy in college basketball in Dalen Terry. 
I mean, that guy is all over the, all over the court. He does all the little things. He passes the ball. He defends multiple positions. He's a great slasher. I mean, the talent is 100% there. I mean, I'm, I'm fully in teams are shooting 39% from two against Arizona. See, that's the thing. I can't buy none of the stats because when you play inferior competition, your stats are going to look good. Like, 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 you can't say one thing like that, and and we're and you're spot on. We're saying the same thing, and then go, oh, they holding them thirty. They're supposed to. They're just better. Like they're 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 their fifth guy is better than half the team teams or guys that they played against right now. And there's no credit to them. They're super talented. They could beat anybody. You know, having said that, but having them ranked third in the country right now is is a bit high for me considering their schedule. See, I, I'm not. I'm not as worried about it because we've seen them blow the doors off Michigan, right? And I know Michigan's right. not all that good, but beating them the way they beat them is, is, is impressive. Uh, we've seen them go into Illinois and beat up on Illinois on a night where Illinois' guards were going nuts. Trent Frazier and Alfonso Plumber. I, I don't have the box score in front of me, but they I'm pretty sure that comes. Yeah, threes. I was going to say combined, they, shut, they, they, they made like 37 threes between the two of them, something like that. <laughs> um, they had Christian Coloco. Who like in my mind when when I when I thought about him heading into the season I was like yeah seven footer weighs 118 pounds you don't have to worry about him he guarded Kofi one on one for the majority of the second half and did a really good job against Kofi Coburn one on one of the blocks so I just I look at that team I look at the way that they play I look at the talent and I can just say like that they are going to be a nightmare to play against because I mean they get up and down you see so much of Gonzaga in them. And I know that we should right. expect that because it's Tommy right. Lloyd, but the, the stuff they do running up and down the ball screen stuff, they do in half court, uh, the way that they try to get those seals over and over and over again, the, the way that they just let guys shoot with, with reckless abandon. Like I, I just, I, I think, I don't think you can rank them number one, because I don't think they have the resume to justify it, but I do think that you can very much sit here and say, yes, Arizona is the best team in college basketball right now. I still think it's Auburn. But I would not have a problem with someone saying that it was Arizona. I, I was at that Arizona-Illinois game. Uh, and I think the thing that stood out to me the most about what Arizona did was Illinois executed its game plan about as well as they could have hoped in the second half. Right? They got post-touches for Kofi Coburn, which is essential to what they do. They hit a dozen threes. And they locked down Ben Matherin after Matherin had an awesome first half. He had like 22 in the first half. He only had eight in the second half. They made Kirk Risa beat them. And Kirk Risa went on the road in, I would say, a top five environment in the sport this season. That place was bananas. And he won them that basketball game. Mm-hmm. He, he had 17 in the second half. He was making plays in ball screens. Like that should tell you just how talented they are, that their fourth or their fifth option offensively went on the road against the top 20 team in the country in a crazy atmosphere and won them the game. And it should tell you a lot about Tommy Lloyd's poise as a first year coach, that they were not phased at all in that environment. So, I mean, I think I'm a believer from that perspective, but again, at some point, like, and look, they will get tested in the next two weeks. That that we should mention that they're playing. Oh, UCLA they, they Tuesday. will get tested in the next two days. Yes. You're gonna say the next 24 hours. UC- yeah, they, they're <laughs> at UCLA on Tuesday night at 11 o'clock. They're actually, I, you know what? I got to text somebody. At, 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 I, I got to text McCrone to let him know he's conflicting with the Tuesday night edition of the Field of 68 After Dark, which will be on YouTube, which will be on Twitter, which will be on SiriusXM 84, uh, the ESPNU station. Um, 
we uh we got to let them know that they they got to move that time of the game, move it up, move it back, tip it at midnight, do something. And you know, you know, ironically, they're inviting fans. You know, they were playing; they didn't have fans. At the oh game. yeah. And then it's ironic, Arizona coming down. We're gonna get some people up in here now. It's funny yeah, well, how I mean, that works. It was it, it was kind of I don't want to I don't know if I want to go down there, but I will just say that like ten miles away from Pauley Pavilion is the Rams stadium. And when you have 80,000 people playing in there like one afternoon, and then that night you can't have fans in Pauley Pavilion. It's just like, what, what are we doing? Like why? You, 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 let's just call it what it is. You made yourself look worse even doing it. Like no, 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 no arena in, in the country, football this year or basketball has emptied their arena for any reason. So, so why start? Like, like, like stop it. Yeah. Um, that's kind of where, I was at with it too. It just, it was, it is what it is. We don't have to go down that road though. I do want to ask you guys this. Um, So with that game coming up, I feel like this is a chance. I feel like a lot of people have kind of forgotten about UCLA a little bit. And and personally, Mm -hmm. I've kind of gotten to the point where I don't know if I trust them enough defensively to be able to say that they are as good as I thought that they were. Now uh, we talked about COVID pauses and and issues with Michigan. We got to say the same thing about this UCLA team, right? Like they were down for what uh, an entire month, basically. I think we forgot about time, it. Yeah, they weren't practicing. I forgot that they, there was even games in the Pac-12. Um, so, Randolph, let me hit you on that one. Like, what do you – how important is winning this game for UCLA? How big is this game for both of these teams? I feel like there's so much to prove for both teams in this matchup. And I hate – I hate that, once again, we have this marquee, huge, standalone college basketball game at 11 o'clock on a weeknight. Come on. They got to make – so many games up and but but both teams need it I, I think both teams need just to see where they are right like like regardless of the win or loss they need to get a barometer of where 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 is my team right now you get these pauses you're playing against the inferior competition most of the time this is one of the few big tests that they're going to have for the remaining of the year both of them so for what both of these teams and they are final four talent potential teams this is one of the few matchups you're going to get where you've got enough reps and got enough practice now where COVID's out of the issue. Let's see where we are. Win or lose, both teams are going to come out of this one way or the other and, and, and feel like, hey, we got a long way to go or we're closer than I thought or whatever it is. I think it's January, right? I mean, they, they, they're going to see each other again. And now if we were talking this in, in the next month, going into the Pac-12 conference tournament, then, you know, then we talk about something. Then we'll have to see. Well, I will say this. We, we say Arizona, you know, they, their schedule is light, but they're blowing those teams out. UCLA's right. schedule is light. They're not blowing anybody out. And that's the concerning thing for me. Right? Like, if you look at their five Pac-12 games that they played in January, they beat Cal by eight. Cal is not a good basketball team. They then turn around and lost at home to Oregon. I get that they didn't have fans. I understand that. They still lost at home to Oregon. Uh, they beat Oregon, stayed at home by 16. Okay, fine. Finally blew, blew them out. Then this week, on the road at Utah, they won by five in a game that was, I think, tied in the final two minutes of the game. And yeah. then they beat Colorado by six in a game that was uh, all two, uh, one possession game with 30 seconds left, right? Like, at some point, like, I, I, I almost feel like you have to reward Arizona for blowing those teams out unless you want to say, let's throw up all the alarm bells for, for UCLA because they're not overwhelming the rest of the Pac-12 right now they're just not and, and these are again these are the same teams these are teams in the 85 to 150 range in the net right like that's that's concerning to me 
Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Just uh, I and for the record, I agree with everything that you're saying right there. I will just play a little bit devil's advocate. Uh, when you're playing in a gym with nobody there, and you're still kind of coming off of um, off of the COVID pauses, and you're you you so you had guys that were actually sick, and it wasn't just you had to sit in your dorm room. You had guys that were actually sick. Uh, you're trying to get those reps, and you're rusty because you haven't run offense. And now you got this team coming in that is playing some of their best basketball, like Oregon. And you have to go and play in front of nobody in your home gym when just a month ago it was one of the best environments in college basketball we've seen in a long time when right. Villanova came to town. So I, I kind of – I can give them a little bit of pass on that one. I almost um, think the I Oregon can, game is like the least concerning of yeah the four. I, like, I'd, the, I'd, the, I'd well, rather – that's fine, yeah. The, the only other thing I would say is that the, the trip in the Pac-12 to Colorado and to Utah is the toughest road trip in college basketball. Um, when you kind of factor in like the the level of the teams, right? I think there's something like that, like it averages like less than one time a year that somebody sweeps that road trip when they when they go to those. I mean, you're playing two games in three nights at altitude with a bunch of kids that are like from Southern California and areas like the, like those. That's fair. Those, we we knocked the Pac-12 being soft all the time, and now we're going to ask <laughs> you to go play in in seven thousand feet altitude back to back games. And look, yeah. Tad Boyle. Uh, the 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 other coach K the taller coach K Larry Kristoviak th- those dudes they they can coach right they may not have great talent but those guys Larry Kristoviak is coaching. not coaching Utah right now but oh that's right Craig Smith I made I said the same thing the other night <laughs> <laughs> that tells you how much I pay attention to the Utah Utes yeah. there you go well Craig Smith is a great coach too Craig Smith is an elite coach absolutely yeah. no doubt no doubt he's a, he's a great coach too so my my I would have I would have said the wrong name. I would bet Mick Cronin is actually wanting to play this game too as a wake-up call for his team. You know, a team that's the final four team a year ago. I bet they're probably sleepwalking through some of these games anyway. And I bet he's looking for something like this to kind of, hey, you know what? That's not guaranteed to us. We got to tighten it up. He's looking for a game like that. They'll be ready to play tomorrow night, though. Sometimes you need to get punched in the mouth, right? Yes. Sometimes you need that for uh... – as a coach, listen, we uh, we got to get to break here. But coming up next, we are going to do a little bit of trust or bust. We have six teams that we're going to break down here. Indiana, we're going to talk about Seton Hall. We're going to talk about and I'm going to put Randolph on the spot when it comes to Florida State after this. For 90. All right. Dagan, let's get some questions going. I, we haven't answered any questions from the chat yet tonight. Hit let's me, do hit it. Me with something good. Let's do it. If, if Arizona wins at Pauly on Tuesday, is that the best win of any current of the top ten of the top three teams? Excuse me. Uh, yes, yes. Well, Gonzaga would have the neutral over UCLA. That would be their about, best win. Well, right. Yeah, I think it probably. Who are we considering, be. right? I mean, I think he said. I think Duke since we right, I think it's just, it was because we floated. Uh, should they be in conversation with Gonzaga and Auburn for the number one spot? I assume they're referring to those two teams. Yeah, and just so, so you that know, was better Sweeney, than an Auburn Kentucky win. I mean, I, it's just because it was it was at road home game. for Auburn. Yeah, road game. game, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a it's a great if you get it, it's a great win. Um, yeah. Kevin. Uh, Sweeney, yes, uh, VU fanatic just said, "Hey Kevin, I appreciate you dressing better tonight. So you, uh, you're you're getting fans over there. Beautiful. That's all I needed. You got fans. You got fans over there. Dagan, we got any other questions? Yes, we Can do. The- Can Houston actually make a run with all their injuries? Yeah, because they guards. Yes. Just trust Kelvin. I mean, it's just I don't I don't care who's on the floor. Like you can put Randolph out there right now. And I just 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 trust Kelvin. He's gonna figure it out. You might I'm not sick. be able to put me out there." 
But Randolph. Yeah. yeah, maybe. Maybe we got your twin, Sweeney. Yeah. He's 5'9. <laughs> I'm 6'3. Come on now. No. Coming back in three, two, one. You're up. This is the field of 68 after dark. I'm Rob Doster. I have Kevin Sweeney, Randolph Childress here with me. We are on Sirius XM 84. This is the ESPNU station. We're also streaming on YouTube, streaming on Twitter. As soon as we're done with series, we're going to be going with the After Dark Afters on YouTube. We're going to be answering questions from the chat. We're going to be trying to figure out which one of us are dressed like slobs today. Maybe we get John Martin back in here, see if uh, we can get things a little bit more reckless than they've already been on the show. Uh, but before then, we got to get to Trust or Bust, which is a little fun exercise our producer, Dagan Hughes, has put together. We have six teams listed. We're going to tell you if we trust them, or if we think that they're bust, Dagan, I'm going to go with Indiana first on this one, just because of the biggest name, I think, on this list. And I think they're the most interesting one to talk about. So, Randolph, I'm going to you first. Indiana, do you trust them, or are they a bust? Bust. Um, I, I am concerned about them. I, I don't think they shoot the ball really well, and I'm concerned about their, their – their loss today was a bad loss. Uh, let's just not hide it. I, I would like to say – we're approaching that point in college athletics where they're about to be separation. Like this, this next week, as we creep into February, the separation starts, the cream is going to rise. So if you're one of those teams and you're in the middle, you're the seventh or eighth in your, your, your conference, you're either going to make a run to get up, get some good wins and get up in the, in, you know, in the top half of your league or you're not. I just don't trust Indiana right now. I, I love what coach, you know, what Mike Woods is doing. I'm a fan. I think he'll get things going there, but, I, I don't trust them right now. I don't trust their perimeter shooting. Yeah, I, I think the two things that, that stand out to me, one is the point guard play, right? I don't think that they have consistent enough play at that spot. Uh, and I think the other thing is today was an opportunity to prove that this team was different, right? Like winning winning against Purdue was was massive and, and, and a statement, but what you do after that win is, I think, arguably just as important. And the fact that the, it would have been one thing if they lost this game, and they were, you know, in a, in a dogfight, they got rolled on their home court. That was, you know, if there was any question for me, trust or bust entering today, it's bust now. Yeah. I mean, look, anybody can beat a rival at home when, when that place is rocking. If you can't come back the next time and at least put together a performance, it's that's a red flag to me. All right, let's move to the ACC. Uh, Cause I Ooh. do want to ask you, we got, we got the ACC network Ooh. expert here. RC, I got to ask you about Florida State. You trust them, or is this team a bust? I trust them. And I, I, I trust them because they're a team that, well, again, it's going to take them some time. Young guys are coming around. They don't have the elite pros that they had in years past, but they got some talented young guys that are starting to play. You know, John Butler's coming around. You know, Matthew Cleveland's starting to come around. Like, these guys are starting to chip in, and they're going to be a tough out. They're going to creep up in the top four. They'll be a team that, let's just say, they get a 10th or 11th seed in the tournament. You don't want to play them. They're just so you're hard coming to play in there, against. Yeah, you're going to come in there trying to run your sets, and you're, they're not letting you run them. And they're going to run 12 guys out there, 13 guys, and you don't have time to make that adjustment. And I, I think they'll be a dangerous team. They won't go far. They don't sh- – it well enough as they had in, in their teams in the past. So they, they're playing. They're the hottest team in the ACC. They'll drop some games coming up, but they're not going anywhere. They'll, they'll, they'll remain in the top three. Yeah. Sweeney, you agree? 
I believe in them right now. I trust them because they're finally guarding like a Leonard Hamilton team recently. Like I thought the Duke game, they came out and there was, again, Duke's a really explosive offense, but I thought that they made Duke work for everything. And Randolph, you said it like they just, they don't let you run what you want to run. Uh, You know, Caleb Mills, he had the turnover issues against Miami, but he's starting to be consistent as that alpha score that they really need uh, because they aren't quite as gifted offensively. They don't have the shooting. They need someone who can go create a shot. And I think, You've seen Caleb be able to do that in recent games. That's huge for them. Again, like I, I don't know that they're a great team, but I think yeah. in this ACC, with 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 the wins they already have in their pocket, with the sketch stretch they have coming up in the schedule, I, I think they're going to find a way to get in the NCAA tournament, and you're not going to want to play them because of the way they guard and how well coached they are. Yeah, I'm buying them as a tournament team. Um, I'm buying them as one of the top four teams in the ACC, uh, but that's about it for me. I, I, I also just – it's one of these things where you just trust in Leonard Hamilton to, to right. figure it out. Leonard Hamilton, Kelvin Sampson, they're just, they, they, they have guys that buy into what they want to do. And when you have guys that buy into what those two want to do, they're going to be good enough to, to make a little bit of noise. Um, all right, Sweeney, we're going to you on this one. We're heading out West. Uh, we talked about Arizona. We talked about UCLA. We mentioned Oregon a little bit, but the one team in the Pac-12 we did not talk about was USC. Do you trust them? I do not trust USC right now. Um, <laughs> I will say this, you know, some of the excuses or I don't know if they're excuses or not, but like the, the issues with COVID pauses that we mentioned with UCLA, with uh, Michigan, USC dealt with the same thing. They were off for a while. They came back. They had kind of a sloppy performance against Cal. They lose to Stanford. They have another sloppy performance at home against Oregon. They had no fans in the building for that game. So I get it. But I also think, my, my skepticism was already pretty high because of the schedule that they played. They played a really, you know, light non-conference schedule. I don't think by in, uh, intentionally, I think just some of the teams that they scheduled didn't, didn't pan out to be quite as good as they had hoped. Obviously, Georgia Tech, defending AC tournament champs. Temple has not, you know, had a good season. Like, I think they thought that they would have better games on their slate than they did, but, like, they, just, they, don't, they, don't, they don't have a great schedule. I, I just don't trust the guard play. Like, I didn't trust Boogie Ellis last year. I think he's given them what they've needed in terms of a guy who could score, but I still don't trust him enough. Like Ethan Anderson, same deal. Like I, I don't trust those two guys with the ball in their hands late in games. And so for me to, to, to buy into this USC team, I, I would need better, better ball handling. I like the front court. I don't think they have enough in the backcourt to, to be a team that I can trust going into March. Kevin, I they know exactly who they playing. <laughs> he scheduled it knowing that, Jose Alvarado was gone and all that. This is true. This is true. Going on. They know these guys are going to be playing a year ago. was gone. So, no, I, they hadn't played anybody. And I think they lost to Oregon, who's, you know, who's beat two of the better teams in the league. And, you know, we get that. They lost to Stanford. But outside of that, I mean, they, again, you know, they, they scheduled wins in the non conference schedule and hadn't played anybody yet in conference. And so, we, I don't we know, know what they, they are. I don't think they've beaten the tournament team yet, depending on how you no. feel about San Diego no. State. I think no. San Diego State could get in. San no. Diego State also scored 37 points last night against okay, Boise Okay, but Boise State. State only scored 42, so it's not a – Yeah. Top in, 10 Ken Pocky fans, Boise we, State. We let's, just, let's, we just let's watched – Let's be nice to the Boise State We just Broncos. watched the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs both put up 36 in a football game. And San Diego State put up 37 in a basketball game in 40 minutes. Come on now. All right. We got about a minute left for each one of these teams, so we'll roll through them a little bit quicker. Uh, yep. LSU. Uh, can I take this one first? Yes. I don't trust them at all. I do not trust them at all. I do not think that they're anywhere near good enough offensively. I will give Will Wade a ton of credit 
for taking a team that couldn't guard anybody last year and turning them into a team that is the best defense in Ken Palm this season. Uh, but I just do not trust them to be able to get enough offense. I think so much of what they do is a result of overwhelming, less talented, less athletic teams and getting quick buckets in transition, the pick six turnovers, if you will. And I just don't see them being able to do that against teams that have good guards. All right, Sweeney, I'm going to you. This one's going to be a tough one. You got to be careful. The Our producer, Dagan Hughes, is a graduate of Seton Hall <laughs> University. Trust him or bust? Well, I'm not worried about pissing off Dagan, but I do not want to piss off John Fanta. So this is challenging. <laughs> I, I've trusted Seton Hall from the beginning. Um, I, I think a lot of what they've dealt with in the last couple of weeks is attributable to their COVID pause and the injuries and the guys they haven't had. Uh, I think the way that they guard when they have Obiagu and, and Tyree Samuel in the middle is really, really impressive. And Roden can score and Aikens made big shots. I'm still a believer in this team. I'm disappointed that I don't think they're going to win a big, big East championship now that you know they, they've fallen off here early in, in conference play. But I still believe that this is a team that should be a top 25 team come March. You agree, RC? Yeah, I, I like Seton Hall. I'm a fan of theirs. I'm a fan of their guard play. I, I think they're going to make some noise in the Big East and, and, and wouldn't, be, wouldn't surprise me if they're top 25 by the end of the year. So let me ask you about Texas. You trust them? Yeah overrated can they make it back we got about a minute left i don't trust them that i i don't i don't think that they have the chemistry and i think in the big 12 the, the league is so tough every single night that you need to be together and ready to go to war together i, I just don't think right now that they have that i think i mean i think they'll find a way to answer the tournament but i don't think it's gonna be pretty uh, let, let me ask you this who are their pros who on that team is going to play at the next level? In the NBA? There isn't, my, there's not an NBA player on that team. My question, even going even deep, and I know before we run out of time with it, I trust Chris Beard. I think he's as good as anybody in college coaching, right? Flat out. But I think the Texas expectations of that job is one of the most overrated as there is in the country. I think they have the resources, and people just have that expectations. Like – when did Texas basketball become national championship caliber? Like, ever. Like, ever. When they, when they had T.J. Ford and when they had Kevin Durant. That's your answer. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, yeah. And even when you had Kevin Durant, you knew he wasn't going to be there long enough to deliver no championship. You just knew he was damn good. <laughs> yep. They were, they were a four seed that year. So I agree with you. The reason why Texas is a great job is because you make a lot of money. You get to live in Austin where it's warm, where there's great restaurants, and where there's great beer. And where you can lose and nobody really cares about it. That's that's why right there is why it's a but great I don't job. agree listen, with that anymore. I think that's changed. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. But listen, this was this has been the field of 68 after dark. Uh, we are heading over to our YouTube channel for the afters, where we're going to be able to answer some questions from you guys for Rob Doss or myself for uh, Kevin Sweeney for Randolph Childress. Thank you for being here. All right, y'all, we're clear. All right. Good Thank show, you. guys. That was fun. Hey, was man, fun. let's get my guy John back up here, man. <laughs> <laughs> you, want to, you want me to tell him to jump back in? That was off the rails. <laughs> oh, I, I did knew, everything I, I could to keep myself together oh on that my one. But I, God. Yeah. Man, I started to hype him up. <laughs> yeah. No, no. He's 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 the best, man. I, I love John. And I knew, I knew as soon as he came on, I was like, oh, he's – 
he's been, he's been having some fun watching football today and i knew that this was gonna get out of control so oh, um I, thank thank you john martin for coming on all right Dagan, we got any good questions from the chat uh please nothing about our outfits please nothing about our outfits. <laughs> don't worry i'm over the outfits as well um let's see here what do we got let's see uh this, is a, this isn't a question but it says please rank marquette what do you think of the golden eagles Sweeney, you saw him today. I did see him today. Um, I, I think the thing that stands out for Mick Marquette is that most teams in college basketball, their, de- their defensive effort wavers when they don't make shots. And Marquette is the opposite where their defensive effort is, create, is, is there 40 minutes a game and it ratchets up another notch their offensive game when they're really playing well and getting deflections on defense. And that's a rare thing to have. I think it's, it's a huge weapon. I, I really like this team. You know, do I trust them because they're, they don't have like a guard that I really trust to go win games for you late? Maybe not, but at some point, like the record is what it is. They just won on the road at Villanova. They just beat another ranked team in Xavier today. Like they should be ranked uh, tomorrow without a doubt, without a question in my mind, they should be ranked in the top 25. Yeah. Their, their wins. Let me, let me bring it up right now. Do you have it in front of you? Their wins are ridiculous who they've actually mm-hmm. been. They beat so, Illinois. They beat yeah, West Virginia. Yeah. Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. You um, can't put out a top twenty-five list and not have them in it. Right now, yeah. not now. Yeah, these are these are their last three wins right now. Uh, they beat Seton Hall at home. They won at Villanova, and they beat Xavier at home. They also have a the only win over Providence in the Big East. They beat Illinois, who they had they were no at, Kofi that day. No Kofi. No that Kofi. Day. No Kofi. No coffee. All right, so that's what it was. Yeah, but that so, but, but come that was the Curbelo implosion. Yep. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. I knew they were missing someone. I couldn't remember. The, Illinois, the the roster just it's it's been all over the place this year. But yeah, I'm I'm 100 buying them. And and you know what, RC? Let me ask you this. I, I think that so much about unless you are like Bill Self, right? Unless you are that like the elite of the elite of the elite when it comes to being a coach. So much of it is about finding a program where the fit and the culture and the fan base and the community and the expectations and all of that comes in line with what you are as a coach. And I think that VCU was a perfect fit for Shaka. I think that Texas was an awful fit for Shaka. And I think that Marquette is again, a perfect fit for Shaka because he can, what, what makes him so good is developing that culture and that brotherhood and people that are bonded together and creating like a family atmosphere. Cause guys are going to stay for three, four, five years. At Texas, you had to go get the one and dones, and they were going, like everyone was trying to get to the NBA. That that that's what you have to recruit when you're at Texas. That you don't have to recruit like that when you're at Marquette. And I think that that's a good thing for his pro. He can get guys that can buy in and be there when they're 23 instead of leave when they're 19. It's like what we talked about before. You got to take the Texas job because of the check. He took mm-hmm. it. He was you know he had some success there. He couldn't keep the pros there because those guys was leaving, and he got out of there enough time and was fortunate enough it just worked out this job opened up and I think he ran after this job like hey that fits me it's all basketball I don't have to worry about football overshadowing it I've had the big job I've gotten the big check and not that that was really his you know but coming from VCU you know let's just be honest that's a that's a massive that's a lot of zeros and difference in that check so he had to go and take it and a lot of coaches need to keep that in consideration. But individually, you say, hey, let me take this job and get this money. And, and you can't fault him for that. But he hey, You know what else it, it is? You know what else it is? I do think that a lot of people look at that Texas job and they say, I'm the one that's going to be able to turn this around. Right? And I do and think there's, that 
but but how do you say turn? How do we say turn it around? You know, when they've always won. Like we're, we're talking, like when he took over a program that they sucked, like they weren't making a tournament or whatever. Like like they True. just think because they got all this money that they're supposed to be hanging national championship banners up there, and you can't even get football right right now. And 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 you rotating <laughs> football at that level, it's the most incredible athletic department where they feel like they're supposed to just win. And I'm like, man, Earl Campbell ain't walking through that door no more. Kevin Durant, <laughs> if you ain't win with Kevin Durant, you ain't winning it. Like they, like, like, when was the last time Texas was relevant in anything? Oh, well, I, I will say that. I will say this. I think the thing that's challenging, right, is like if you're at a VCU, like you have to take that shot, obviously for the money, but you also have to take it because, like, you got to a Final Four. That's the most you could ever do at VCU. Like he'd already accomplished the only thing you could accomplish. So it's like Texas is the right challenge to take, and you know I, I think a lot of guys have failed at, at that challenge, and I understand why you would why, why a lot of guys would not want it. But like you said, like there, there's there's a bag to be had. There's a bag to be had if you want it. So I think he's very comfortable at Marquette. I think that's the very obvious oh. thing. You listen to him talk. It's like he is super comfortable with with who he has, um, the guys that he inherited, the guys who the recruit uh, in the portal, like Marcel, who I think is a great fit for him, uh, Kirk Weth, who I think is a great fit for him. Like they just have, they just have dudes that are a thousand percent bought in. To every and, word, and he for says. the record, we're, we're talking about athletic departments with money. Marquette, oh, yeah, Marquette oh, yeah. is the when it comes to like spending. I, I, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I'm pretty sure that they're like their budget is like 70% higher than the next uh, next basketball budget or something like that. And it's it's crazy, it's, how they much. haven't made. I mean, it, it, they don't, not for Villanova they don't have to waste the money on football, right? They don't have to waste mm-hmm. the money on football, they don't have to share the pot, so they're going to get the bulk of the pot. This job just fits them in that aspect, like you said, there's no. Yeah. The expectations are not of getting one and done in there. And he he needs veteran guys to buy into his culture and what he's trying to do because the young, young guys, they're not trying to do that. And, and he gets to get veteran guys. And that's going to become a, a, a trans portal, a transfer portal destination. All right. Uh, Dagan, hit us with a couple more questions, and then we can do three cheers and get out of here so you can get your sleep. Yes, this one with a little <laughs> assist from our guy, T.O., Randolph, what are your thoughts on Hubert Davis? What do you say? What are your thoughts on Hubert Davis? Be careful. He's got to call the game tomorrow. Let's see if, let's see if we'll tear off. Let, oh, let's get him teed T-O, up. Oh, man. T.O., you set me up bad. You know what? <laughs> I, I, I'm going to say this. I, if I may call into the show. I'm not on tomorrow. And, and, and I, I may drop a bomb tomorrow after this. Because I'll be candid with you. I I've said this before. I, I think there's they've been one of the softer teams that I've watched. Like I'm sitting here, I've looked over their stats today. Offensively, they 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 got Armando Baycott playing player of the year, both guards, Love and Davis shooting over 40% from three. They, it, it looks good. They ain't guarding anybody. And and I I'm not, I don't want to knock Hubert, but I I'm going to give him a benefit out because he's a first-year guy. But unfortunately, it's it's Carolina. So there's no excuses. Like, nobody's giving you a, a pass. You took the job. You knew what to expect. But this isn't back-to-back 28-point loss, 22-point loss on the road. I, I, well, hey, you're you're in the ACC. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious your take on this. You, you know that league really well. One right. An interesting thing that Doug Gottlieb said on the show last night was that this is kind of what Carolina does, right? Like Roy had a reputation for 
not really pushing his guys on that end of the floor, kind of saving their legs, uh, and then really ramping it up defensively towards the end of the season, kind of focusing on it a little. Is there any is that is that something that happened? Is there any truth to that? Is that something that could be going on this year? And if it is, like I think it's time to start ramping it up now, Hubert. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I won't necessarily agree with that. I, I think they got after you pretty much. They they got after you when Roy was there. Now he probably figured out his rotation and Roy would sit you down. Like you stop playing, walk-ons would play. Like you would buy in and understand. The biggest difference that I say is that I see not having seen them live and I watched them this week and I'll see them again on Saturday against State, NC State, is he's – I thought when Hubert came in, we, we were talking like, all right, he's going to change it, we going to get this modern style of offense or whatever. And he's got bigs, but now he went to the finesse bigs. So it's like it's like they're almost trapped in an identity. Like they're, they're running like a four-crowd offense almost from a style standpoint, but you're still playing two bigs. And Manic and them, they're not guarding nobody on the perimeter. So when you play small ball against, like, Miami and them, you can't switch and put him on anybody on the perimeter. You can't put a Mondo on those guys. So now it's like, like, like what do you do? Like, and they're going to get – as long as they try that style, they're going to get ran. Well, There's one a pride thing element would... there, too. Like, yeah. they, they have guys that are not part, – part of – the hardest thing about coaching defense is you have to have guys – to be a good defensive team, you have to have guys – that will say, fuck you, you're not scoring on me, right? right? And they don't have those dudes. No. They don't have people that are going to take that level of pride in their effort. I, I, I've said this a hundred times, but once one scout told me when we were watching them play Tennessee, they were like, I hate watching these guys because they're selfish. And what he was, yeah. what he meant was that they're, they're out there to get their buckets, to put up their stats, to have Armando Baycott averaging 22 a game the last night, or whatever stats going to show up on the ACC network next, next uh, when, when you got the game tomorrow, without pointing out that they're not, playing defense the way that they're giving they might be getting 76 points and all these guys are putting up their stats when you give up 98 and lose by 20 like who fucking cares i I will say this right i mean roy had some of the same problems with this group right like obviously not to this extent but like roy said he retired because he didn't feel like he could do it anymore and like a lot of it was these guys it was armando baycott and rj davis and caleb love like at some point like you know, I obviously Hubert, it's Hubert's job to get the most out of these guys and get them to want to buy in on the defensive end and get them to want to, but like, there's only so many ways and you, you, you can tell these guys that they have to go, you know, that they have to go guard. Right. I mean, it, it's not rocket science. These guys aren't tough, <laughs> right? Like, these they're guys, not. They're and, not. And, and, and if they're, they're not tough, Hubert's going to have to go get some guys who are right. Mm-hmm. And, and again, there's, 100%. there's some, some, some stuff that to fix with, you know, like the two bigs are kind of trapped. Like they need to, you know, find an identity one way or another. That's that's on him. But I also think at some point, like these dudes have to take some responsibility for themselves and say either we want to defend or we don't. And right now, North Carolina doesn't want to defend. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll hold off on saying anything about him as a coach until we see it like for a couple more years. But I will say right. that he's the the ju- like he's not doing a great job getting through to these guys. And honestly, he probably would say that too. Like, you know what I mean? Like he, he he's smart enough to know that you give up 98 points at week four. So you're, you're going to lose a lot. All right, Dagan, let's get some rapid fire ones in here. We'll, we'll stop rambling. At least I'll stop rambling. I can't promise anything from RC and sweet. I, I thought, I thought Goodman had the night off. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> let's go. Let's go at this one. Potential rematch in the sec tournament, neutral court, Kentucky or Auburn. Is Ty Ty Washington going to get hurt halfway through? Is Severe Wheeler going to get drilled by a screen again? Because if they aren't, then I think it's going to end up being a one possession game. I'll go with Auburn because they're the best team in the country, but it'll be that that would be a great basketball game. I'm very high on Kentucky. 
Kentucky. I, I, I thought Kentucky was going to win on the road at Auburn. You did. Uh, I, I don't know if my opinion has changed. I still think I still I think Auburn's playing as well as anyone in the country right now. I think Kentucky can absolutely beat them on the neutral court, though. They could beat them, but they won't. I think Auburn gets them again. <laughs> yeah, look, Kentucky. Kentucky's probably like a top eight to ten team in college basketball to me when they're healthy because they're very they, they don't have the depth right they have basically seven guys that they can trust but they're one when, when all seven guys are are fit and firing they're probably a top eight team in college basketball auburn is the number one team in the country in my mind best team in college basketball so um that's where i'm at with it dagan what else we got who is the tougher team for arizona ucla or usc not usc <laughs> yeah it's gotta be ucla that's an easy one. USC stinks, man. I think we all just called them. You, the only too. thing, the only thing I'll say is that USC has the size to deal with the front court of Arizona that few teams have. <laughs> well, I mean, but yes, they, they, no, they it's it's still guys, UCLA. It's still UCLA. I say Mobley does not stink. I Carter Elliott is six eight. Size is not everything. <laughs> <laughs> Tough. All right, Dagan, let's keep moving. I think I know the end to this one, but I, I want to hear you guys say it out loud anyway. Can Stanford get in that large bid? No. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> nope. To the NIT, maybe. Yeah, seriously, there you go. All right, last one. Anything else, Megan? One more? Yes, one more, one more. Is Syracuse the most disappointing team in the ACC? Ooh, that's a good one. I'm, hey, I'm going to the ACC network analyst first on this one. No, because I never thought they were that good in the first place. Yeah. I think North Carolina is more disappointing than – Syracuse. Yeah. That's not who I would go with. Or 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 Louisville. Virginia Tech. Bingo. You can say that. Yeah. Our uh my my podcast co-host, Terrence Oglesby, said Virginia Tech was gonna win the ACC. <laughs> right? You remember that? Remember that? I gotta RC? get on TO. He set me up with that Carolina one, but I'm gonna yeah, ask he did. Tell T.O. Tell T.O. call me after this week, after, we, after I see him live. I'll, I'll give him straight. I'll give it to him straight. No chase on that one. But, yeah, he picked up. He picked the Hokies to be second in the league, man, and they're far from it right now. Ooh, yeah, second from last, second to last right now. All right. Um, got a cheers for the night. You guys got your uh, – your, any kind of beverage? Any, any kind of anything? I do. As, Let me grab mine. All right, there you go. All right. While, while he's gone, Sweeney, give, give me your toast of the night. Yeah. My, my, my toast of the night goes to – uh, I've toasted them before with the, the Siena women's basketball team. My brother, my twin brother is the head manager. Uh, they, they started 0-10. They've now won five in a row, and they just beat the team that's 7-0 in the league at the top, Fairfield, on uh, on Saturday. It's like the most ridiculous turnaround I've ever seen. Uh, so, yeah, good, good for them. They're, they're really battling. Uh, shout out to the Saints. My toast is going to be the, uh, the Providence Friars. Ed Cooley and them got it done again tonight. I told y'all they might sleep at the win the Big East. They're not sleeping, but they're good. They're going to carry you through. I'm picking them to the end. And I got to say something about the young lady that scored 62 tonight. That's hard to do in a gym by yourself. So kudos to this young lady. Cheers. Cheers. Nothing like a midnight apple juice. <laughs> I do. Can we, look, can I just I, – I got I got to call you out for this. <laughs> you said Providence is a sleeper. They're in first place in the Big East. Because nobody – no, but – no, I say sleeper because no one's expecting them to win. Every time it's like, all right, everyone is everyone has said they're expecting them to collapse. You sure as hell got it. You were so mad when they got your Huskies. Oh, and your Huskies bad. choked. They got them bad. They got they them bad. Hey, they, 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 there was no there was no choke. They got their asses kicked. 
Yeah. Like, let's let's be real. There was yeah. no choking. Yeah, there was no choking yeah, involved. Yeah, they beat. They got, I, they got. They got. Popped. They did. They punched him in the mouth. And I think yep. they're going to do that to everybody else. I don't think Villanova is going to be a tough matchup for him, but I, I like him. Yeah. Um, all right. So I, I have a couple toasts that I want to send out there. One, yeah, we got to send the toast to John Martin, right? You got to send the toast oh, to John Martin for the, for his performance tonight coming yeah. through after after a, a, a doubleheader overtime game. A lot of Miller lights. He came through. He showed up. He was he was ready to go. I want to send a toast to uh, to to the Vassar Brewers who are now nine and two in uh, in the Liberty League right now. RC, this is what they did this weekend. They went on the road. And they beat our rivals, Bard. And the night before that, they went on the road. They actually played in Siena's gym. Um, in, uh, in I, I heard about what, what is they it? Played RPI. Yeah. yeah, they played RPI, number twelve team in the country, undefeated in the conference, Ooh. one loss on the season. Went into the in, on the road in Albany, beat them by twenty, number twelve team in the pa- country. So now they're nine two. Pa- yeah, there wasn't a single person in the crowd, but they won by twenty on the road against the number twelve team in the country. So I got to toast the Brewers there. Um, and I had another one. I can't remember where I was going to go with this. Um, this is great. This is, this is great live content for you guys right now. I don't I had, know. I had so one extra just... toast of the shout out to the Auburn fans. Toast to the Auburn fans. They were ridiculous. Oh yeah, know, they were Saturday. All right. No, I, okay. I, I remember what it was. So, um, I'm going to, I'm going to put up a cheers to Aaron Rodgers. He, uh, he was telling people that he was going to boycott the Super Bowl. Because of the way that uh, you know the COVID testing and the policies that the NFL had, and I just want to send a, a toast to him and 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 you know congratulate him for following through on that. He's uh, he's boycotting the Super Bowl. He's not going to be going this year. Uh, I got to respect the man that that sticks to his principles at that level. Uh, so <laughs> so for Kevin Sweeney, for Randolph Childress, my name is Rob Dawson. This has been the Field of Sixty Eight After Dark. <laughs>